A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Better call! Hey, be, hey! What's so funny? You guys have that at Fresno State? Good, uh, that's a good uh, comment there on the uh, YouTube chat for those of you listening to the podcast. Put it back up. Adrian says, is it college rules? If they don't show up in five minutes, we can leave, LOL. Um, I don't, I, did anybody have that rule anywhere other than like students all claimed that was a rule but is that a real rule that existed somewhere like yeah you know it's like you don't get an absence if you're if the teacher's 10 minutes late it's I, never I, been five minutes first of all it's always like 15 minutes yeah f- 15 everyone was gone but I, I don't know if it was an actual rule uh but it definitely is something that lived in in the the myth of of the college kids when they're drinking like bro you know if he's not there 499 take off <laughs> Like, okay. It's easy to walk out. I mean, uh, I mean, a lot easier to say you're going to walk out than walk out. I remember I had a professor, great class. I think his first name was Eric, Dr. Hickey, the psychology of violent crime. He's like one of the profilers of the uh, Unabomber. And his thing was to, to be a uh, great class, loved it. But to be in the class, the required reading was his book. That you had to buy. You had to buy. And then saran wrapped to the book or whatever air whatever you know it came with the book was a little remote control which is the, how you took role you know because it was a big class big stadium classroom so there was like a digital remote control that you would click to you know say i'm here today which i guess you could have just given it to somebody else and they would click it and say you're here today but you had to have that too. So you couldn't even do the class without the book because you know you, the attendance was part of the grade and the little remote was saran wrapped to the book and you needed both of them. Do you know the craziest part about going to college is we're just two public school guys. You know, the best part about public schools is when you go to history class, right? When you first show up your junior year, senior year, whatever, you, you go to the library and they give you the book, right? They give you the book for you know, math class, whatever, you check it out and you have that for that, you know, that semester or whatever. I don't even remember what Davis High School was on. Then you get to college 
And they're like, you're going to need this book. And then you go to another class, you're going to need this book. And you just think, okay, like, where's the library? Where do they give it to me? And they're like, no, you have to go to this place in town and purchase them. I remember yeah. calling my parents to be like, uh, it's $375 for three books. And then they're like, don't worry, when you buy them, you can sell them back to us. I'm like, well, it's just basically like checking out. You just exchange some money. You buy it for 100 and then you give it back for like $26. You're like, what the fuck is this transaction? And then they clearly rewrap it and resell it for the same price. Well, that's it's where the scam. The rackets ever. The other, the, other rack, the other part of that racket is like, okay, fine. I'll just buy the book used. Well, well, you need to have the eighth edition. Last year's was the seventh edition. We updated it with new pictures of lizards. Eighth edition has the new pictures of the lizards. If you're on the seventh edition, you'll have the old pictures of the lizards. And I wonder if the internet. I wonder if the internet's changed the game a little bit on that. With like, you know, the the books you can find them, download them, different places for free. Yeah. Or like, I, you just all the books are available on iPad, and then you can share it with people. God, I spent so much money. I spent more money on books and tuition. Our state school tuition was not very much money. I in paid two thousands. I was like three hundred dollars a quarter or something. We were semesters, and I I think it was like seven hundred and fifty dollars a semester at Fresno State. You could have like a my dad. My dad was in the military, so I think maybe it was like twelve hundred, but for me it was seven fifty or something like that. But nonetheless, I'm pretty sure quarters at Cal Poly were like six hundred dollars. When I hear some of these, like it's seventy five dollars to go to school, I'm like, even when you added my rent, thousand, yeah, going to Cal Poly was not very much money. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was probably fifteen grand. You know, all said, food, the whole thing. It was, it was. Right. We, I hear some of these stories, not counting like, beer. You know, not counting alcohol, yeah, or but it just it's or it was but. it was this, 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 the state school system when when we attended, yeah, was very very economically friendly. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Uh, for those of you listening to this as a podcast, you know, if you've never seen the YouTube, uh, a, a growing trend on YouTube is that we say the show is going to start at one, like this one does on Thursday, and we we then we actually come on at one oh six. And people say, where are you? You're late. And we say, it's like a baseball game starts at seven, but first pitch is actually 706 or kickoff or tip off. Uh, you know, we, 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 you, we open the doors at seven or at one yeah. and then, and then, you know, we come on stage. So uh, we appreciate everybody getting in line. We like to, you know, we don't like the seats to be empty when we show up on stage. You know what I mean? You know, those legendary like concert venues that like, uh, I think Kanye might have been one of these guys, Con you know, people when they, you know, like famous people when they do concerts and there's always like, you got to wait like three hours for even to come out. You just sit there, sit there, drink. Maybe they want you to buy shit and they don't come off. This concert starts at eight and the guy doesn't come on to like midnight. You're like, what are we doing? Or lines. How about standing in a line? Oh, no, Can't thank you. Imagine. No, thank you. Uh, on the stream. Haha -ha says RIP Ray Liotta. I was actually just watching the scene from Good Goodfellas speaking of the line when he takes Karen, his new, I think she's girlfriend at the time, to the, like the mob restaurant. I mean, it was a huge restaurant in New York City. And I think Frank Sinatra is, is supposed to be there. Like the, he's not actually there in the movie, but like that's part of the scene. And everyone's waiting in line and they just go right to the right to like the the back door and they go through the kitchen and everyone knows his name. And he's giving people 20s and she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm in construction. She grabs his <laughs> hand. It's soft. And he goes, well, I, I'm a union delegate. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I saw the clip today. Somebody posted just the, the gif of of Ray walking into the 
cornfield and field of dreams, you know, his character, Shoeless Joe Jackson walking yeah. into the corn stalks. And um, I wondered if when he shot that scene or when he, if he, if when he watched that movie, it ever occurred to him that one day I'll die. And this, somebody will use the scene symbolically to represent my death. I don't know. Maybe. Well, he was in a lot of movies, in mob movies, where people got killed in cornfields, buried. I mean, he, he probably did some burying of that. I think the cornfields were uh, a big part of, of the mob where, where they put the bodies. You could say the Field of Dreams and Goodfellas. I mean, I'm, I mean, he's, he was a part of two of the bigger movies, just in terms of iconic movies, things that are still talked about. I mean, Goodfellas, I would say mob movies is just one of the biggest genres in movie history. And probably beside God, Godfather, Goodfellas would be known as the best mob movie ever or Godfather two or whichever one you like, it'd be one or two. Yeah. And I'd say field of dreams would be widely considered one of the great sports movies of all time. There are some people who don't like it, but I consider it that. Yeah. I think a I, lot of people do consider it that, but not sure I've ever totally watched it start to finish, but I, I yeah. feel like I know the movie, you know, you yeah. build it. They will come. I, I say that all the time. <laughs> I don't even think I've ever seen him say that in the movie. Cause his, uh, he, was he his father, was it. his father on the team? Was that the thing? Kevin Costner's dad on the team. So Ray only says it at the very end. Once you hear a whisper throughout the movie, but Ray himself only says it at the very end of the movie, the dad, Kevin Costner's dad was like a failed minor leaguer. And, um, uh, I, you know, was he, he wasn't on the 1919 black Sox. No, to answer your question. But, so does Ray Liotta play the character that threw the world series? Ray Liotta plays Shoeless Joe Jackson, yeah. But Shoeless Joe, Shoeless Joe hit the ball pretty well. Like, there's some debate about whether or not Shoeless Joe actually threw the 1919 World Series because his numbers were really good. He just took the money. So Ray Liotta played a character who was also connected to the mob as a baseball player. Ray, well, I saw somebody say today, like, watching Ray Liotta, you were never quite clear. Was Ray Liotta just playing himself, right? <laughs> And I, I def, you definitely feel that, right? You just imagine, I got to watch a Ray interview. Did he just laugh the way Shoeless Joe laughed or the way he laughs in Goodfellas? It's the same laugh, like, ha, ah! You like that big open <laughs> mouth, you know? What, what, I was thinking today when I saw that he died, I kind of believe in a weird way that Pesci, De Niro, and Ray Liotta were part of murders, even yeah. though I, they're Hollywood actors. <laughs> but, like, I, I feel that. You know, yeah. especially I would say Ray and Denier, definitely Pesci. I'd say I mean, Pesci, hundred <laughs> percent. But I just feel like Ray knew what was going on. Like if you just told me Ray knew about some murders, you know, it just feels like they were part of the life, even though they weren't probably in the life. But they do. It's hard to fake what they were bringing to the table, right? You wonder how are these guys so good at this? Yeah, who was it? Would like Don Rickles? Like Don Rickles was like a made guy in the mix. He in a casino. He's in casino playing the uh, like the pit boss for De Niro. Well, it just came natural to Rickles because Rickles was like in the crew with all these guys in Vegas, right? Him, Sinatra, they were all boys. Yeah, those guys were older than these guys. Now they Ray, made a lot of money entertaining the mob. Yeah, so if you're just making money entertaining, if you are the paid entertainment in situations like that, what are you going to end up being around these individuals a lot, right? Hey, come over to my house today. Like you end up not just singing the whole time. Like, hey, you want a cocktail? You start hanging out. You might end up just liking the guy. You're like, yeah, he's a murderer, but fuck, good guy. Nice to me. Method actors got to do the work to fulfill the role. 
says Corey on the stream. It it really does feel like you're right, Ray Liotta. I was thinking about this today. Like, why is it kind of feel like I've, I don't feel like I've watched that many Ray Liotta movies. Like his character when he was on is as good. Like it just doesn't get any better. It feels like he's he's mastering the role. It'd be like. Remember that one season when that fucking pitcher went 25 and two and won the Cy Young and then blew everyone away in the playoffs? You're like, I've never seen anything quite like that. Even if he didn't have a great career, you just like never forget that. Like Ray Liotta had a couple moments in Hollywood that are just unforgettable. And when you saw Ray Liotta in anything that you didn't know he was in, you'd go, oh shit, Ray Liotta. <laughs> exactly. But he, he was, wasn't like that famous of an actor, right? I mean, he was, but he wasn't like. Tom yeah, Hanks when you, when you look or, at his his roles, I'm just looking at him right now. Like it's not, it's not a lot of stuff that I've seen. I don't think Copland in ninety. I mean, Blow in 01. John plays, Q he plays Johnny Depp's dad. That's as a good role. Marriage Story, The Place Behind the Pines, Shades of Blue, Killing Them Softly. You, you know what's funny about that role that he plays in Blow, Johnny Depp's dad? The mom is so angry that Johnny Depp becomes a drug dealer. Ray, the dad, loves his son so much, is cool with him doing whatever he wants to do. So in a weird way, his dad is like open to the fact that Johnny Depp is the biggest American cocaine smuggler. Like he's cool yeah. with it. Like he, he, yeah. he gets back to like, ultimately Ray Liotta is cool with crime. You know, I mean, just it just comes natural. Like he's not, even roles when he's not the criminal, he's open to it. He's probably <laughs> how smart my son is. Yeah. The mom in Blow is Karen from Goodfellas. See, it's on the stream. Yeah, I, that, I was thinking that right when I said it, but I wasn't quite sure. Man, Blow. I think in high school we had to write down what our favorite movie was, and I wrote Blow. And it wasn't. I it wasn't because I was into cocaine, or I just thought the movie. Yeah, jo Johnny Depp and Leota. It was that movie's incredible. Like everyone, what's the movie with uh, Pacino, uh, Scarface, that really yeah. became like a cult film later? It actually didn't do that well in the box office. Blow, to me, blows that movie away. No pun intended. I think Blow is just a really, like, it's you can find it free on TV. Like it's a Right. It's a really, really good movie. It is, yeah, different stuff, but it's about the cocaine trade. I, I think it's a pretty damn good movie. It's long. Say hello to my little friends. A pretty iconic uh, moment in, yeah. the movie, in cinema. Cinema, John. Yeah, there, uh, there are more iconic. You know, the picture of him in the hot tub. Yeah, yep. Mitch on the stream says, "Did you guys catch Kyle Shanahan say it expects Debo to be at OTAs next month? Maybe things are progressing progressing in contract talks." We did catch that. We were there when he said it. We watched him say it. He said it in a very casual way. Um, I think. I think I could be wrong. You have to go back and check the tape. I think that was the first time Debo's name got mentioned in that press conference. I think he volunteered it. I don't think Debo's name had come up to that point. So he brought Debo's name into the mix, uh, which I also thought was significant. I thought that kind of meant he, he was being authentic uh, or, or that he wasn't saying it to like try to – like I think he thinks that. So uh, I think he's optimistic about it. I thought more significant – Iuke made a comment about how uh, – yeah, I talked to Debo. Actually, we just – a bunch of us just called. We ju we just called him a minute ago, like that. Him and a couple other guys FaceTimed him or something. So uh, I thought that was significant too. Do you think like JJ Watt and all the guys with the Cardinals are FaceTiming Kyler after practices or no? Good question. I don't know. I'd I mean, lean probably not. Kyler's ask is probably a little higher. <laughs> Kyler wants Alex Rodriguez money. 
I just mean, are they FaceTiming just to like see him how he's doing? And hang on him. Hey man, yeah. we miss you. Meanwhile, Colt McCoy's just choosh, 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 choosh. here to win the job. Uh, well, you, you want to start with Trey today? Trey area, Trey area. Uh, you know, we, we he he spoke um, on Tuesday and talked a lot about his finger. His fingers, hundred percent. But you thought actually it was something that Jimmy Ward said that was more significant than anything that uh, Trey Lance said. Well, Jimmy Ward mentioned, I guess Matt Mayoko when he was talking. Jimmy Ward spoke to the media, the assembled media. We were long gone by then; we we're just podcasters. And Mayoko talked about his locker being right next to him and how they interact. And Jimmy, Jimmy swore like seventeen times. It was like he just kept saying shit. He just said they talk a lot of shit to each other in a funny way, like, I'm going to get you on practice. And just the way Jimmy spoke about Jimmy's press conferences was awesome. I, 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 Jimmy Ward is one of those guys, and a lot of people, when I posted on Twitter, was like, you know, it's it's pretty cool whenever you get a player who will, most people think isn't any good and is a disaster and then becomes like one of the stalwarts on a really good team, and you take a lot of pride in the guy. And I think Jimmy's great representation of that. Part of it was like they remember they used to play him at corner. That was what they did. Like when they first when they first drafted him, so he's out of position. He's found his role, and clearly Kyle loves him. And to me, they believed in him. And I don't think it's random that they put him next to Trey Lance. I, I don't think it's random at all because I think what Jimmy stands for, uh, they want what he brings to the table to to like rub off on Trey. I, I, any team would do this right you have a young quarterback you have if I had drafted Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence I'd want to put him next to someone in my locker room like if I had I don't I'm just trying to use like OCU manure just like high level tough guy you know whatever whoever that guy is you would want him around that guy and I I just the way NFL teams operate right everything like to what guys are going to eat to what time you come in that there is no way that where your locker is set up isn't meticulously thought about with your star quarterback, maybe like where Brunskill wants to go. It's like, yeah, put him where he can go wherever, but I Trey Lance, where they set up his locker. I I have to believe, and I do believe this and I, maybe they would admit to this. Maybe they wouldn't. They they did that on purpose, putting it next to, to Jimmy Ward. Right. Do you, I mean, do you agree with that? I agree with that. And I, and I would say my guess is my guess is that they told Jimmy Ward, we're putting you next to him. And there's a reason we're putting you next to him. Now, maybe with Jimmy, you don't have to. Maybe Jimmy just understands Trey Lance is next to me, and my job is to help him get ready for the NFL, right? I mean, I think one of the things we saw last year a lot with Joe Burrow, we've seen in Joe Burrow's career, a lot of the Joe Burrow mic'd up stuff is Joe Burrow talking to defensive players, introducing himself or like kind of having fun talking a little trash or whatever. And um, because that's what happens, especially with young quarterbacks, especially with highly drafted quarterbacks. People say shit to them. Right. And I think that's part of the value of Jimmy. Jimmy Ward is not just probably from an X and O standpoint, talking ball. Like when they walk off the practice field, they're sitting next to each other. Like it's very easy to have a casual conversation about what just happened. You're not in the meetings a lot. Right. You meet with your own position group. So you meet with people who look at what you do from the same position that you look at it from. Whereas Jimmy Ward looks at it from the other side. Right. When when practice happens, where does Kyle Shanahan stand behind the quarterback? When John Lynch is out there, where does John Lynch stand? Behind on the, the other side of the field, behind the defense. Yeah. Just how he naturally well, – now, I'm not to say he never stands behind the quarterback, but more, – more, There is more room on that side. There's much more room. That's where I stand. I'm more of a defensive guy myself, John. I like to stand behind the defense. 
I'm an offensive guy, but I, I gravitate to that side because, again, the real estate. A lot of real yeah. estate on that side. I'm big. I just watch the trenches. So <laughs> that's my thing. That's where I was raised. Uh, but, you know, I think I think partly it's about reporters come and talk to you. you you're ne- when you're in the locker next to the guy who is, you know, someone's talking to, you get to watch how that person has that interaction. All these little things, right? I think that'd be one of them, too probably more of an old school thinking to specifically think about that because people are going to naturally come to the quarterback as well. But I think there's all those, all these little things. One thing that Kobe Bryant said did just, you know, he's on so many like instant motivational Instagrams that I scroll through and I run into this one ever, every once in a while that like he wanted to be remembered as a talented overachiever. And obviously Kobe's talent, you know, given his, sport was higher than Jimmy Ward's. But when I think Jimmy Ward, I I do think an overachiever. And I think ultimately you want all your talented players to be and gravitate to be overachievers. Like ideally, like Tom Brady's an overachiever, right? LeBron James, Steph Curry, these guys are overachievers despite their immense talent. Tiger Woods was an overachiever. So if Trey's going to be a great player, he's going to have to be an overachiever. Like if he's really going to live up to everything. And to me, you put him against a guy that, I mean, a couple of years ago, we're like, is this guy, is this guy playing the NFL to like now having a, to just being one of the mainstays on, as he said, one of the best defenses in the league. Five yeah. years into his career, he'd started eight, 10, that's 18 plus six is 24 plus seven is 31. He started 31 games in five years. That's not a very good rate. That's. You know, Jimmy Ward was a first rounder, but to your point, from Northern Illinois, not from LSU, so an overachiever yeah. to be a first rounder. And then, first of all, how talented do you have to be for five years to not to to miss that many games and still come back for year six? Right, was was a first rounder, but still, I mean, he had gone. They had, I mean, how many coaches did the guy see? Tom Sula, Chip, then Kyle. But to me, clearly, like Kyle and John, like we have a pretty good idea what they look for, guys. Like the type players they like. Right. Even I'm not even Harbaugh talking would. about on the high, the high Harbaugh would have liked. Yeah. Harbaugh, I'm sure liked this guy too, but you know, like they like Hufungus, right. They, they like Brunskills. Uh, everyone likes Trent Williams. Like everyone's going to like Debo Samuel, but like truly who the type guys they like, it's pretty clear. Now, Jimmy's on the higher end of that. I wouldn't put him in the high end group of the players, right? I, he's not the Boses. He's not the Trents. He's not even the Kittles, but he's in the next tier. And there are a lot of guys like Jimmy who five years into the league wash out and they're in those situations like, what's this guy's deal? He refused because he he cares too much. And I like having my quarterback around people that care too much, even if he cares a lot. Like ultimately, and, and maybe one day you put people around Trey, right? Like if I ran, what do you think? Who do you think Jason Lights puts around Tom, right? People, young guys that he wants to. Uh, I bet Bill did it for years, right? Or Phillip Rivers or whoever, Eli Manning. You, you want... But you learn as a young player, and that's kind of to me the coolest part about a guys that go on to have long careers. You know, I mean, Jimmy's story is fascinating, but great player stories are fascinating too. Sometimes we're like, I learned a lot how to be a pro my first couple of years being around so and so, right? Because it's like any job, you come in, you're like, what, what do I eat? Like, what, wait, I should go to bed kind of earlier, and you just kind of learn these little things that, even though you're making all this money, like think about Trey gets. Seven eight million dollars a year, which is you know he's in the top one percent of the one percent of just a guy that gets a salary at that level, and he doesn't really you know for his first year he probably was like what do I even do, right? Yeah. How do I do this? Like how do I improve this? Like you don't even know. 
you know, it's not, most people in life, once they start making that money in any other industry, they've kind of proven it. So they come in, they kind of hit the ground running sports and specifically like the NFL and basketball, because you go to the show immediately. I give you a lot of money. And then the expectations just immediately start. Like you better figure it out quick. <laughs> so it's like the coaches can only do so much. You do. You are very dependent in football specifically on your locker room. And this gets back to what we talked about, you know, the Kinlaw stuff over the last couple of days. Like ultimately why you feel un- incredible just on a day-to-day basis for the Niners, your locker room is filled. Honestly, they kind of have a Patriot vibe. A lot of their guys of just like pretty serious football lovers. You know, like when you looked at the McCordys and the High Towers and the Edelmans over the years, it's like, God, these guys fucking love this shit. Well, Jimmy Ward is like a... Uh... He's like, got a Matthew. I think Belichick would like Jimmy Ward. Yeah, I mean, he's not. I don't know if I'd say he's got a Matthew Slater like vibe, but Jimmy Ward is coming into year nine on one team. Uh, there, he. I mean, I, I don't know how many said, guys. You said his first year was Harbaugh's last year. For his first year was fourteen. How many guys that aren't Pro Bowlers last all those coaches and all those administrations? First of all, how many guys that aren't Pro Bowlers, even if it's one coach on the same team, last nine years on the same team? It'd be pretty rare. It's a pretty unique sweet spot, right? Of not a highly, highly paid guy, not a pro bowler, but also definitely an NFL starter. Not cheap, though. But not cheap. But yeah, but nine years on one team. That's what he's coming into. Nine years. That's nine years in the league is an extreme. You are an outlier then. But even among vets to be nine years on a team, it doesn't happen without hard. I, I, I mean, if you're not a star or a high level guy, how do you stay on? a team for nine years. Well, think about it. It feels like Armstead's been on the team forever. He's been on the team longer because Armstead came in the next year. Yeah. But it's easier. Like if you told me who lasts the five eleven safety kind of free safety, strong safety is kind of this hybrid He's hurt for his or, first four years, basically. Yeah. Or, or the six, seven uh, guy from Oregon who, <laughs> you know, is 280 pounds can play end and tackle and can pass rush inside. You know, it's like both. Yeah, Turns out both. both. Because both of them have in common, right? They're pretty just impressive guys. Yeah. Think about how much coaching Trey Lance has had in the last year now between Kyle and Mike McDaniel, you know, all the Niners offensive coaches, plus Quincy Avery and Adam Dado and whoever else has been coaching him off off of Niner ground. He's had a lot of coaches, a lot of coaching, a lot going on for him. Having a player who's not coaching you per se he's not talking about your footwork necessarily who you can just talk to but also get something from is pretty valuable pretty it's, unique it's the importance of having a good locker room it, it's it's something that you know it's kind of nerdy we don't talk about that much because ultimately one season no one cares like are you winning or losing but it's stuff that i i think gms and coaches talk about 24 7 365 when i was in the nfl it was constantly like what would this guy be like he's always oh, friends with this guy oh this guy mixes in I mean, I, I think it's on – it's a good example. Like, I crushed the move, but I do understand, like, we need to trade for a wide receiver. We don't have – there's not going to be a wide receiver in the draft. We don't want to pick any of these people. We need to get Kyler help, and we use pick 23 to get Hollywood Brown, who just caught 90 catches that they're boys, and they've known each other for five years, right? Like, to me, that value – like, Steve Kime would tell you, like, I value that more than everyone on the internet shitting on me, right? That these guys are – fucking homies for years and they played together before like i value that more than everyone else clearly but but we'd also be like steve you shouldn't have to go to that extreme i agree but my point is like that that's an example of like that that there's a there should be a sweet spot i'm just saying that it does like aj brown and uh 
and who the Jalen Jalen Hurts like they're buddies, like they're friends. I think from like grow, either growing up. Oh, or I didn't know that. Out in college, yeah, they're friends. So like that that stuff again. AJ Brown would have got traded whether Jalen Hurts was their quarterback or Trevor Lawrence. It didn't matter who the quarterback was, but like that does you feel a lot better about like their relationship. Like honestly, when when I didn't watch IU talk and say this about the FaceTiming, but when you told me that, like to me it's like. You, you that's type of stuff that makes you smile when you're John Lynch and Kyle. Like these yeah. fucking guys like each other. Yeah. To me, the biggest part of this this part of the year is just like, can these guys? Because you're not. At, we were at practice. Like, yeah, they get to go home after this. Your, your day's done at like after you go eat some food. Like you can go, you can go play golf, you can go to the pool, you can go hang out with your girlfriends. You can just go with the boys and do whatever you want. Like, it is a huge team bonding time for a lot of your team, and you you, you do want them to like each other. <laughs> Now it's it's you don't have a choice. It's kind of like a, you know, going to camp when you're a kid. You just hang out with who you're going to hang out with. Like you don't choose your teammates, but that's where GMs and team building really factor in. Like, can these guys be? Fr- I mean, look at Derek and Devonte. Like ultimately, Josh and those guys. Devonte's so good, you might make that trade. But how much easier does it make to pull the trigger on something like that? And I know there are more variables. He had to want to come there and sign the contract, but just knowing they're really close. <laughs> That's, I mean, Tyreek is like, does Tyreek really want to be there or does he just kind of want to be in Miami, you know? I think he kind of wants to be in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Got his chip. I don't, you know, get paid, all that. I think it mostly that he wanted to get paid, right? But I guess my th- those two trades who are very similar, both a lot of money, it feels like one guy really values going there with his guy and the other guy's like, yeah, just I didn't even care. I like, well, I wanted, like Mahomes more. It feels like Devontae wanted to go to a specific place and Tyreek just wanted to go to a place where they would pay him. Which it's two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get ButcherBox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com/ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up everybody? It's your old friend John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk also spoke, and uh, Matt Barrows asked, and Brandon Ayuk, same deal, actually. He displayed some of what Brandon Ayuk said was about how I used to be the young guy. Now I'm, you know, this is year three for me. I'm a veteran. And Matt Barrows from The Athletic asked him a really good question. He said, year three was when Debo kind of took the next step. Do you have, this is, you're coming into your third year. That'd be an understatement. <laughs> Do you have goals for yourself? And uh, Brand Ayuk said, yes, I have goals for myself. Everybody has goals for themselves, but he didn't specify any specific goals. He said, I'm, you know, I want to win. That's the number one issue. Uh, so I thought we could project Brandon Ayuk's numbers. What do you think a year three? And there's a couple ways to define it, right? You could say, what do you think he's going to do? And we could say, what does a good third year for Brandon Ayuk look like? Um so, but but I I think the way to look at it is what what do we think a good third year from Brandon Ayuk could look like? Well, so he's basically through his first two seasons, averages fifty eight catches, seven hundred seventy eight yards, and five touchdowns a season. Which five, is, he had two rushing touchdowns year one, none year two. Oh, so so he has ten passing touchdowns combined, so ten receiving touchdowns through two years. So he's averaging five, and fifty six and sixty. So he's averaging fifty eight. I I would say I wouldn't say underachieved, but he can definitely achieve more. Now, part of it was the way it started slow last year. His quarterback situation, his rookie year was kind of a disaster, right? I mean, Jimmy got hurt, missed, however, 10 games. He's playing with Mullins and CJ. Now, this situation is not guaranteed to be just Mr. 70% completion percentage every game. But I, I think it's fair to think that we get a 80-catch season and get that number from five passing touchdowns to seven, eight, and then you're just a really, really impactful. I, my, to me, he's destined to be a really good number two. I mean, he already kind of is a solid number two based on production, but it, it can be better. Like, just watch him in practice. Like, he's – you fucking can play, you know? Yeah. Because he's way better than a three. I don't ever see him – I mean, he's still pretty young. How he's twenty? Eh, he's twenty four. He's not that young. It feels like his his destiny. If he maxes out to be like, we feel excellent about this guy being our number two wide receiver or number two passing option. Whether you, maybe you have a Kittle's a star or whoever. So, I I think a couple of things. I think the numbers. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Eight, I'm going around eighty. 80. I'm going sixty eight. I'll tell you why. First of all, a bad quarterback situation isn't necessarily bad for a quarterback's reception numbers, right? They were worse the year that he had more catches. 
because they had to throw the ball more. Last year, they ran the ball more. So That's year true. one. That's, and with this team, you're, you're right. Maybe I should bring that down because are they really going to have that many guys catching 90 let me balls? Go, let, me go through some, let me go through it, and then you tell me if you want to amend your number. Because he caught 60 balls in 12 games in year one. He caught 56 balls last year. His 60 catches in year one. So only had four more catches in year one, but he played in five fewer games. Led the team. Nobody, Kendrick Bourne, he led the team with 60 catches in oh, 12 Debo's, games in year one by Debo 11 Kittle catches. Yeah. That year, he caught 16% of their balls. Last year, he also caught 16% of their balls, even though he had fewer catches in more games. But he was third on the team in catches, 15 catches behind Kittle. So he was in, fr- he was in first place by 11 in year one. And in third place, behind second place by 15 in year two. But the same percentage of their balls went to Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, I think I look at the Dallas Cowboys last year as the template for their distribution this year. Right. We agree. They're not the Rams where Cooper Cup has 145 catches and second on the team is Tyler Higby with 61. Like these guys are built differently here. Here were the Cowboys last year. C.D. Lamb had 79 catches. Dalton Schultz had 78 catches. And Amari Cooper had 68 catches. Lamb, 79. Last year, Debo led the team with 77. Schultz, 78. Last year, Kittle was second with 71. Cooper, 68. Last year, Ayuk was third with 56. So the the number three receivers where the drop-off was between the two teams. Now, there was another major difference. The Cowboys were fifth in attempts. The Niners are 31st. Yeah. But the Niners are probably, ideally, they'll be, you know, I don't know if they'll be 31st in pass attempts. They might have to be, we think they're going to want to run the ball a lot, but, but are they going to say they go 31 to like 20, you know, even that. And be... even, tw- I would say even 25. Maybe. So to me, because they're still going to want to run the ball a lot, right? One thing, though, with Ayuk, though, guy, is like last year, for example, I would say like his last. 60% of the year, he was really good. His first, that's true. basically going into Halloween, he had nine catches. So all September and basically all October. Because remember, he kind of got iced out early. Hamstring, yep. Kyle, whatever fuck you want to believe it was. He just was iced out. Nine catches going into the Halloween game against the Bears. And then, so think about that. If he just would have been on his normal trajectory of just playing more, Sherfield was getting his reps. Does that number 56 more like 69? I mean, remember early on, I was like, is this guy in the game? So the Bears game from that game on, or or you could go to Arizona, and then he was six, three, seven, six, four, four. Yeah. I mean, you could bump that number up. If you're looking, my guess just eyeballing it is he was probably four, five catches a game over the course of that stretch without doing the math. Yeah. Does that look about right to you, probably? Yeah. yeah. Give or take. Yeah. So what's five times seventeen? Well, five times ten is fifty. So eighty-five. Yeah, eighty-five feels a little high, just given that it, it consuming Kittle, the emergence of Juwan Jennings. But I, I do think that number could get. Would you say sixty-eight? I said sixty-eight. I don't think it's inconceivable, like a seventy-five sweet spot. And is he second on the team then? He's ahead of Kittle, probably then. Does Debo's number stay at 77 or does that number change? I, I, I think both the two guys could be around in the 70s because Debo's kind of unique. He'd get the ball. Like they're, they're not just like, 
never running back again. Like what happens in a tie game against the Rams in the fourth quarter? It's like, put that motherfucker back. Ry there. Davis price <laughs> 19. Uh, uh, yeah. We're going to go uh pitch sweep here coming in. Uh, Debo Samuel. Get yeah, uh, fourth down, <laughs> one play left from the 24 yard line. That'll be a run play for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it sounds a lot. Like, yeah. We're going to run a lot more with other people. And then you're, you're in a tie game against the Packers and Lambeau. You're like, uh, put them back there. <laughs> I didn't want to run it 12 more times today, but we're going to have to. Yeah. Especially when it's like, well, Kyle, you know, you can get, you get wide open lanes. That's the other thing. I mean, Kyle does get you lanes. You're saying less big hits? Well, I mean, D- Debo kind of runs into some people. I know. But Debo I- does that when, when he's going across the middle. Like, Ayuk is a little more of a true wide receiver. You know, he'll kind of hit the ground. He just kind of got... He, he has wide receiver vibes. Debo has some Kittle vibes. Like, okay, guys, three guys want to tackle me. I, I bet you guys are all going to be on the ground. I'll be spinning around, get five extra yards. I know. Which is good. But I, I do think that's the biggest question mark with their passing game is like, I feel very confident that Ayuk is going to play 17 games. Like, I just expect him to play 17 games. Now, obviously, guys can get hurt. But Debo, Kittle, who are... They're, I would say they're they're one and two option in the passing game, and then Ayuk would be third. I, I have zero confidence that they all can play all seventeen games like this season. If you told me right now, would you sign up for fifteen each? I'd be, yeah, for both those guys. And you just hope that they overlap, right? The two yeah, of them are healthy one, when one of them's hurt, that kind of thing. Exactly. That would not be a problem at all. If it overlapped games between the three, yeah. It wouldn't be ideal, but wouldn't be. I mean, there's just a nature to this. There's a nature to the sport where guys, you're just you're going to be more inclined to get hurt when you play like like George. You play like George Kittle. It's just hard to stay healthy, right? He just finds himself in a shitload of collisions. Feels like Kelsey is a good example of a guy who plays the same position. Little obviously less is asked of him in the running game, partly because he's not the blocker and two, Andy doesn't like running the ball is he, when the ball is in his hands. He's, he's just more inclined to like kind of save himself or yeah. Kittle is just, and I don't blame him, but he wants to inflict pain on uh, individuals in the open field. And and I don't think Debo does as much. He just, he feels confident about his, you know, like his, uh his balance, his body and balance control and just power on contact. A lot of guys don't avoid hits because on contact, I'm going to go down. Like, I think Debo feels like a fuck. You hit me, I can bounce off like a running back. I think he's trying to score on every play, too. Debo? Yeah. Feels like Kittle is, too. Kittle is, too. Yeah. Like Kittle, this is a five-yard slam, man. Just <laughs> To the house. To the house. Uh, so next, let's see, Wednesday will be their next open practice. So we'll be there and, uh, we'll see, but I think Ayuk's a pretty fun practice player to watch, not because he's so spectacular, but just because he is, he's really smooth. Ayuk is a really smooth player, a really smooth player. That's a, uh, I was thinking about that when we were driving down the cool aspect of scouting just in general, like when, if you're on the team side, Going into that year, right, Nikhil gets drafted. I mean, you you were closer probably to like the Arizona State, just the football program, talking to people in the program. Like, I, it didn't feel did I you somewhat come out of nowhere? Like, he, no, no one was talking about him being a first round pick. No, going into his junior season, 
And even when he had the season, people thought he was a good prospect and, you know, maybe get drafted in the third round. And as it played out, he ends up going in a late first round. It just shows you like how fast things change. Like for every, there are so many guys that we hype up and, and we're going to do it over the next, you know, three months leading in the college football season. I'm not even talking quarterbacks. They'll just be a group of like 10 other players, right? Jordan Addison type guys all around the country that are like, this guy, first round. And half of them will kind of fall off. And then there'll be Iukes all around the country at like random schools. Like Oregon State might have one. Iowa State might have one. And then they'll actually pass those guys over time. But no one will talk like the Dane Brugler's mock draft ain't going to have that guy right now at number 21. He'll have the sexy guy from Alabama who ultimately will still go get drafted, but might end up being a third rounder. So the, the Iukes are all over the country and they turn out sometimes to be the better players over time, right? The hype and, guys, like Jordan yeah. Addison is a good example. Like I would say the hype on him is going to be pretty strong. Not, no one's going to view him like Julio Jones or whatever, but I would say everyone that way he's talked about is like a lock top 20 pick, right? Is he? I mean, I don't know. Uh, but he's also pretty unique in that he was once upon a time, nobody was talking about him. Yeah, he kind of came. He was a low recruit going to Pitt. You know, Brent Ayuk went to a junior college and then was in in uh, Nikhil Harry's shadow. And then had, you know, a great year. And I but think they, there are people around ASU that would say, no, we knew he was going to be good, you know. Um, but nobody was banging on the table going, here. there's a first round or nobody's talking. Yeah, because when Nikhil was making plays the year that his big year – he became a big deal in the country, right? People talking about. He him. also he was, was making plays as a freshman, which really helps you maintain get momentum, right? Oh, you so make saying he was on the mark for a while. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, but I'm just saying the buzz that Nikhil had, and clearly, like obviously, he's not been a good pro relative to where he's been drafted. Is Ayuk? I would it. whatever if Nikhil had the hype of nine out of ten, I'd put Ayuk to like one. I don't even know if I really knew who he was. <laughs> Well, you had it's like you were watching ASU probably, especially early in the year, thinking, I gotta watch this guy Ayuk. I watched a lot of Nikhil. I remember thinking, like, I yeah. kinda like this guy. Because he had he had a couple plays. What you need to, when you get a couple plays early, I think year one a, or year a, two, a we had cross this crazy, field. Yeah, run running around, back. Running. Exactly. You get yeah. a couple of those. And um that would be the key if I was a wide receiver that wanted to get on the NFL buzz. I'd be like, Coach, can we set up a make quick it look screen? Bad. Yeah, quick screen, have some guys fuck up, but set up the backside blockers. Yeah. I plan on cutting this thing back. And yeah. if this works, I'm going to go so goddamn viral and every GM and I'll score and we'll win and I'll give some credit. But like we kind of had this in the play. So it'll yeah. be like team effort. But I'm telling you, this will put me on the map. This will make you look like a genius because <laughs> there's nothing like the quick screen run all the way back around the right tackle and end up going about 70 for a touchdown. That's an immediate viral all over social media that Saturday, right? What's well, a pop Warner play, right? When like <laughs> everybody's chasing one guy and who's like better than everyone else. Yeah, just, you like, you like jump over a defensive lineman. You spin around a corner. There's always one big block. There's always a depletion. <laughs> yeah. 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 It also, I would say for everyone that hits, about 50, the guy gets tackled for a 17-yard loss. Goes nowhere. There's nothing like when the guy cuts plays. back, and then there's like the defenders are over there, so he's got to kind of go back to where he's supposed to go, and he's just done. It's like, the oh, sit, my then, God. The, the sit-down is, is just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> white flag. Yeah. He's going to sit right here. Tyreek Barry Sanders. Tyreek Barry Sanders. Exactly. Uh, hey, get in our mailbag. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Five stars. Leave us a question. In that question, 
you can ask any question. It doesn't have to be sport. Whatever you want. That's the beauty of the mailbag. We'll have another mailbag coming up. Uh, but leave us a question and um, uh, tell us your favorite bar if you want to share that as well. I can use a cocktail right now. It's, it's Friday somewhere. Hey, hell yeah. <laughs> I heard uh, Lowell Cohen did a stream with Grant today. Johnny told a great Dwayne Kuyper story. He was covering the Giants in 1982 and wrote that they had just acquired Dwayne Kuyper. He had heard that Dwayne Kuyper had a bad knee, so he wrote that Dwayne Kuyper had an 80-year-old knee. So he shows up in the clubhouse the first day, and Dwayne had told one of the other Giants, let me know when he walks into the room, when Lowell Cohen walks in the room. And uh, somebody pointed him out, and so Dwayne walks up to him, and he said, I saw what you wrote, and um, I want to let you know that outside, one of the clubhouse guys, he's 80 years old. And I thought we could go out there and have him kick you in the balls, and then I'll kick you in the balls. And then you can see if my knee is like an 80-year-old knee. <laughs> now, that's a great story. That was the short version. He told it better. <laughs> How good of a story is that? Yeah, like father, like son. That's, that's and pretty he good. Said, he said he told him, you know what? You got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> and, did Dwayne uh, have a long career after that for the Giants, or did he transition pretty quickly? Um, I think. I mean, I... I got to go back and look. I think he probably played another – how many years did he play for the Giants? Another four years maybe, something like that? Because yeah. I guess him and Kirk would have been on the team in the mid-'80s, so yeah. I had a – I but he started calling games by the late-'80s, I'm pretty sure. I, I had this VHS tape when I was a kid called The 50 Greatest Home Runs of All Time, and one of the home runs was Dwayne Kuyper's only home run. So I've seen it a million times because so I watched the hell out of this tape. In Cleveland? Got, yeah, in Cleveland. It gets over the fence by like a foot. It just gets out. Was Jose Canseco the one that hit him on the head and went over on there? Or was this Jose Canseco that? was on there? There was one by a guy named Luke Appling who hit it in a old timers game. He was like eighty seven years old and he hit a real major league home run. That's pretty awesome. That was a good one. Um, was the Hank Aaron's number one? Uh, Hank Hank was on there. I don't remember what the ranking was. You know, because some of them are goofy, so they're not really the 50. Bobby Thompson's home run was on there. Um, Do you think Jack Peterson would be on there one day? Jock. I mean, it's just a reminder. Pablo hit three homers in a World Series game, but Jock's Jock was pretty good. When you hit three home runs at night and then have a day game the next day and your first A-B is a home run, that's a pretty special just stretch. That He'll never forget that the rest of his career. Four home runs in basically 12 hours. Well, it was one someone, of those someone tweeted like, at me. He had four home runs and ten RBIs in twelve hours. Well, I I was thinking that too. Watching him after the first game, like God, he'll he's gonna, for the rest of his life. This is one of the greatest baseball games he's ever played. And then the next day, his home run from the day game shows up in my timeline. And for a second, I'm like, was this yesterday's highlight? Are they already playing a game today? It was a new game. He had a new home run. Well, he, he talked to Barry Bonds. I mean, that's yeah. what happened. So that to me, the one listen. Barry, I bet him and Lowell got after it. Uh, but he does. One thing I saw Jock saying is like, it's incredible to listen to this guy talk about hitting, and he just got me in a good mind space. Like, I, I, I can't believe that's random. Because even Jock was like, I was I was hitting like shit. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt lost. And then all of a sudden he talks to him, and he, he says, I look at my watch, it's 6.30. I realize I got to get to the clubhouse. Game's about to start. Then he hits three home runs. 
Like, I'm just sorry. Like, it's not. And and the goal and the game winning, not the game winning hit, the game tying hit, and then Crawford had the game winning hit. It's incredible. Yeah, he um, he said that Barry told him to catch the ball with the bat. <laughs> That's one of the things Barry told him. Barry, so smart, like clearly, right? Like obviously, there's a whole other element to Barry, but he's skinny now. Extremely smart. Yeah, he's. A, I saw. I saw a photo of him. He was wearing a hat. It was a cycling logo. He was a you know rides his bike everywhere. I had a buddy that lived in Marin that was eating dinner like with his wife, and Barry walked in. I think with his girlfriend. And you know, did one of those sneaky picks, and I think Snapchatted it to me, so I couldn't post it. But was this recent? Yeah, probably within the last like month. You know, Barry just looks fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's just honestly, he doesn't even look that old. Lars on the stream says Danny Gray going to get twenty-seven catches for four hundred and seventy-five yards and three touchdowns. We like saw that. Danny Gray the other day. We watched him. Looks good. I look forward to watching him again. 27 catches is sounds not great. Juwan Jennings had 24 catches last year, but he, but he had like what? 12, the last couple of games. I, I, and a bunch I of do down conversions, you know, me and guy round receiver, me and guy have been told they are very, very high on Danny gray. They liked him. Safe to say their draft grade was higher on Danny gray than where they took him. Yeah. Now, I, I knew I had friends in the NFL because I didn't know that much about Danny Gray or Price. And when I asked about both guys, like, God, I really like those two players. The, the, those guys were well-liked in the NFL. Price, just his physicality as a running back, and, and Danny Gray as a wide receiver. Like, they were just – because we don't – once the draft comes, you end up talking over and over about the first-rounders. You don't just spend as much time on, like, the guy that's going to go pick 78. But sometimes well, th- those guys in a draft room, like – the Danny Grays and whoever's in the second round, like Drake Jackson's, they, they are well, well, you know, like they have a lot of support in the room. So when the GMs and the scouts go through the draft board, the first round's probably a lot easier for them to figure out, like what's going to happen, who's going to be there when we're picking, yeah. than round three, right? 100%. So they probably spend way more time running all the scenarios on round three. Well, I think, I think you gauge where those guys are going to go based on position, based on supply demand in the draft, based on did he run a slower 40 at the combine? You can kind of gauge, I would say, within 20 picks, give or take, a lot of times guys like Danny Gray. But you but you never truly know, and all it takes is like one guy to love. I mean, all it took was fucking Cole Strange. When McVay was laughing, because I bet they thought, like, is there a chance he's there early in the third round, right? And then Belichick takes him in the first Uh, Corey on the stream says hard to gauge Ayuk's potential because of the limitations of quarterback he had in his short career. It's not unreasonable to wonder if he would, if we would know what Chase or Jefferson was if they'd started with Jimmy. I think we would know with it that Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are really good players if they'd started with Garoppolo. I, I, I would say they would have, they might not have put up, I mean, they wouldn't have, but they would have been pretty good. Put up the well, same numbers. Jefferson played with, I guess, Cousins is probably a more consistent quarterback. Well, better deep ball thrower. That's very think Garoppolo. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that matters. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we know Debo's a good receiver and he played with Jimmy, right? It's not just about Debo, the run game. Like we know Debo's a good receiver. He became a star though, when they started playing him at running back. Well, I understand, but I mean, I, I mean, I knew he was a good player. Like I felt Debo Samuel's one of their best players. I just think most of the, both the guys work. Kittle included is just 
within the 15 yards of the line of scrimmage, right? Slants, ins, crossing routes. Like that's, yeah. they just, they do not throw posts and go routes. <laughs> that's just not a route that the 49ers, the Niners literally have two routes that most teams that are good run bombs. I mean, it's like Andy's go-to play, you know, the, the, the Josh Allen, they throw bombs, right? The Niners just do not do it. I think that's why Hollywood's like, I want out of Lamar. That's what's kind of weird about like how much these guys like Kyle. None of these wide receivers really complain. Like they like the Niners. I mean, the Niners had to go get Emmanuel Sanders though. They don't like. I think Debo. I think there's more to Debo down the field. But I agree. Not, I'm just saying they don't not, call. They didn't call that with Jimmy. Right, right. But what I'm saying is, it's not. It's also not like Debo. If you said who's of the three guys downfield, like could Debo beat Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson running downfield? If he think, were, if he were playing with Kirk Cousins, would he be? catching the ball down the field as much as Justin Jefferson? If you're playing with Joe Burrow, would he be catching the ball down no, the field as much? I don't think so. Ayuk might, you might throw some more go routes Maybe. too. It feels it's like a, it's a good, uh, Corey disagrees with us, but it's a good, um, it's a good what if. I'm glad we don't have to live in that world much longer. No, who cares? <laughs> it's a good hypothetical though. Hypotheticals. Okay. Anything else for today? Um, I know as of this recording Thursday, Kaepernick worked out Wednesday, right? And generally, you'd be signed pretty quickly. So I'll be surprised if he signs with the Raiders, but. Well, no one else is going to sign him, right? So that, to me, that would be the team. If they were not, yeah, not unless he has him. another workout suddenly, right? Yeah. I mean, I my, my take on this is pretty, like this to me, it feels Mark Davis led, not Josh McDaniel and those guys led. Uh, I think Mark's under a lot of heat. I think they're coming for his team. And he's trying to keep the heat off him because I, I you can't convince me that Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler would do this. Doesn't feel patriot like, especially they, they they traded for Jared Stidham. They got Nick Mullins. They just paid Derek Carr. You know, to me, this if you told me the Panthers Carr said before he thinks this should happen, yeah, what's one of those? He you know he's he likes getting credit in this area, but I, I truly believe that he has a lot of heat on him right now. Does he not? I mean, we haven't talked much about it, John but they're Gruden's, coming. John Gruden's trial is not about Mark, but, you know, there's shrapnel in these things sometimes. You just get some. Well, did you see John Gruden won today? I don't yeah. know what it necessarily means. Yesterday, he, yeah, I mean, he, he won the right for, it to go, I think, to go to trial. Hey, don't you think that thing's going to get ugly? What yes. if he makes him open because everything up? Gruden. Gruden's rich. Very rich. Like Gruden wants to, in Gruden's mind, he wants to prove a point, clear his name, get back in the league, whatever it is that he wants to do. It's not get it. Like, I don't think they can buy John Gruden out of this one. I I'm with you. I 100% agree with that take. I feel Gruden's going down or winning on principle. He already he went not, down. What does he have to lose at this point? Well, yeah, I, I meant going down. Like he's going to lose it or win it, but he's going to go, you know, when they're like, just settle, you know, in the TV shows, just, just take the deal. Like Gruden's like, I ain't in this for the deal. Right. I'm in this for the principal to ruin your name now. I got nothing to lose. You took this, my career away. This isn't John Gruden versus the NFL. This is John Gruden versus Roger Goodell. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. But it means if the NFL, you know, they might try to, who knows how people are going to fight back. You create distractions. But like you, what you're saying, you don't think like Roger Goodell be like, here's $50 million. Go. I, I feel like I don't John's think like, I don't taking, care. Uh, there's not a number. I don't think Gruden would take. What is the number you think that just like his attorney goes like they're offering you $700 million? I mean, how much did he get from the Raiders? 
Did he I mean, get a coach, buyout? Do we know what happened no, with the rest I of the contract? I don't think it's ever been. They, they, they don't have to divulge it because it's not public. But if you're John, like, okay, I have, let's say, I've made all this money. I have a ton of money in the bank. My life, you could give me $150 million and nothing would change in my life. Nothing. So the the money, when I'm this rich, I'm not like unlimited rich, but I'm I'm rich enough to basically everything's free in my life. I'm not suing you and wasting my time for the money. I'm suing you to fuck you. Like right. I think that you did to me. I not a lot of people walk away from 700. That's just the number you threw out. 700 million. They, they probably, I would doubt offer that much. But, money, but let's but. just say they did. My point is, I don't think it's out of the realm that he would say no to any number they offered him. Yeah. Here's a billion dollars. Would he say no to a bill? I mean, it's not a hundred percent lock. He says yes. Like a more realistic, like here's John. We'll give you a. We'll fulfill your contract and give you more. Here's hundred and fifty million dollars. We want this to end. He he might just go. Because yeah. he's that type guy to begin with, right? Right. <laughs> and he's sixty eight. He's not forty. Six, he's sixty eight. You think he's fifty eight? Maybe actually. Now that I say that loud. That sounds crazy. He's got to be fifty eight. Yeah, yeah fifty eight. Uh, but his right, but his but his but his coaching career is over, right? Yeah, I hate saying that. that. Partly, say that. I think that's partly related to the fact that it, it, it's not like you know he'd been to the playoffs three times. Would it be over? Let's say if he had been averaging eleven wins a season for the last I, three years. I don't think so. But again, you got to we got to see this thing play out. Um, I mean, Art Briles is still getting. Co- although every time he gets a job, they like run, they get him fired. So that's not. And this, I would say, this is a little different. Art Briles, right? That's my point. It's like the Art Briles thing was more extreme, I think, and people yeah, try to hire him. But but I'd say the difference is when Art coached was dynamic and dominating. When Gruden coached, it was like, yeah, this is all it is. Isn't there more to this? Yeah, that see that that I think yeah. is the bigger. I would say if you just pulled the average guy in the NFL, what's your take on John Gruden, the coach? They'd be like, yeah, average for what you got to pay him. Like it's not like just pure football. Be like yeah, it's just. Well, is he willing to go coach? You know, a smaller college school. Yeah, like would he coach Colorado State? I, well, I was even thinking like Florida State or something. Oh, you know, somewhere in like the ACC. I mean, Florida State, you're a pretty big star still. That's not my point. Like, do you think they care? I think they might hire him, but would that, he be what, willing to go point. smaller? Well, my point is, would he have to? Like, could oh, he I just get the, could he get the Florida State job? Right. <laughs> he should follow Dion at Jackson State. <laughs> yeah, I think he gained a lot of credit if he did that. Uh, Nate says reports that Debo has boarded a plane headed to San Jose. Eyeball emojis. Reports or his IG or where's that coming from? Maybe he's got a girlfriend out here. I look forward to seeing Debo on the uh, on the field soon, John. I do too. I expect it. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, we'll have a mailbag out. We'll be back with live show on Tuesday. Back to Niners OTA practice on Wednesday. Have a safe weekend. Uh, We appreciate your support or your hate. Whatever you watch or listen, we're glad. Adios, Pelota. Maybe he's going to the Warrior game. Maybe he's going to the Warrior game. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.